We're going to be in Acts chapter 5, so you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, or if you have your Acts notebook, uh, your study guide, uh, take that and pull it out. Holy cow, what a worship time, hey? I hope that you're thinking about the words that you're singing. Obviously, the music itself is emotional, and it's driving us, but really what really ministers to our heart is a message of those songs that God is great, and he's the breath in our lungs, and ain't no grave going to hold us down, man. Wait, praise God for a worship team that loves Jesus, a worship leader that loves Jesus and his wife. And I think I need to come. I think Elise left everything on the stage. I'm going to pick her up and carry her back to her husband. She left it all up there today. Praise God. Thank you, worship team, for a wonderful, wonderful time of worship. And uh, we're just so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Dennis. I'm one of the pastors here. Just uh, a child of God trying to serve him. Uh, I know that there's no way that I can communicate to you in any way without the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to make eternal impact. And I recognize that every week. And I come before you humbly as a servant of God saying, let's pray each week that God gives us enablement and wisdom as we open the scriptures. Um, The title of the message is, What Lies Ahead? With the emphasis on the word lies, what lies ahead? Because we're going to talk about lying this morning and uh, what God did in Acts chapter 5. So if you don't have your Bibles open or your app, go ahead and open it up there. Just about that song, There Ain't No Grave. Man, I love that song. It's really popular. And I think, I think our band did even a greater job than, than you hear on the radio. It's just, it's just amazing. But it made me think this weekend I, I was ministering to my family, my, my 80, almost 83-year-old dad, almost 82-year-old mom. And we, um, I took mom to visit her elderly aunt, now, mom's almost 82, but her aunt, on uh, the 6th of April, her aunt, uh, Aunt Ethel, she's going to turn 99. 99. Well, listen, uh, what a great testimony she has because my mom and, and she and I were singing some hymns and just talking. And it, heaven, not just heaven to come, but heaven now on earth, a time with Jesus, knowing Jesus and walking with him is so real to her. But she is so ready for her eternal home, and she knows ain't no grave going to hold her down. And she said every night she lays in bed, and she says, uh, Lord, tonight will be a good night to come and get me. <laughs> tonight will be a good night to come and get me. I hope that you're living not only in light of heaven to come. That, that's so true. But in light of heaven on earth, with Jesus in our hearts and knowing him and loving him and walking with him and uh, living our lives out of a precious relationship with Jesus Christ, like my 99-year-old Aunt Ethel and my 80-some-year-old parents have done, and I thank God for them. We're in Acts chapter 5. If you're just joining us, we're plotting through the book of Acts. It's exciting. It's the very first church history book ever written. And uh, it covers the first about 20 or 30 years of the church's history. We said it's a transitional book. There's a lot of things happen up front that you really get our attention, like other transitional times in the Bible. And today is no exception when we come to a story of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, if you were raised in church, you know the story. Maybe you understand it well. Maybe you don't. We don't know. But this morning, we're going to come and we're going to look at what the scripture says about it. But the question is, what lies ahead? All right, so we're thinking in terms of ain't no grave and eternity, but really this morning we're, we're zeroing in on what lies, what lies of the devil 
or ahead of you. And what lies ahead depends on what lies behind. What lies you have built your life upon or truth you have built your life upon. And not only what lies ahead and what lies behind, but what lies underneath. What's the purpose of Satan's deception on the earth to get us to believe for many people who believe that the grave is the end and that's no more and that we just cease to exist and we're annihilated from the cosmos the moment that our heart stops beating and our brain stops functioning. That's a lie of the devil because the Bible from cover to cover all the way through teaches that there is eternity. There's a heaven for those who trust Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. And there's a hell for those who reject him. What lies ahead depends on what lies behind that you have believed. And what lies underneath the lies that you have believed that have supported your walking away from God. And Many of you this morning online, thank you for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Many of you this morning, most everybody has believed some lie that has catapulted them in a, in a negative energy away from God. So we want to examine those lies this morning, and we want to look at that. So what are some common lies? Okay, here's some common lies that Brian and I, we brainstormed this week, and we said as pastors, here's the one we, we hear a lot. I read my Bible every day. <laughs> well, I hope you do. I took a picture. I meant to put it up on the screen. I didn't, but my, I took a picture of my Aunt Ethel and my mother, but then I took a picture of their Bibles. Both of their Bibles are worn slap out. They are in bad shape because they read them through and read them through and read them through. And I heard a saying one time that says, if, if, if your Bible's falling apart, then your life probably isn't. But some people say, well, I read my Bible every day. But probably for most of us, there's some days that we miss. But I hope that that's your objective and that, that you truly can say that. What about singing? What's another way that we lie? We can lie in the way that we sing. When we come to church and we sing the hymns of praise, I had a guy tell me one time in a previous church that when, when you sing uh, all to Jesus, I surrender, all to him I freely give, he said, I don't sing those words. Now, I applaud him that he was conscientious of what he was actually saying, but is there any reason that you could not sing all to Jesus, I surrender? And the, the songs that we sing, we can sing more lies than we tell otherwise sometimes just by singing unto God without really thinking about the words that we're singing and really meaning them. You ever lied on your taxes? You ever cheated? Uncle Sam. How about the marriage vows that you made before God when you got married? In, in sickness and in health, in riches, to be, or in poverty, I will honor my mate. How about the vows that you've made to God? How about this? When somebody tells you their problems and you say, I'm going to pray for you, and then you don't. Um, my marriage is great. And you're really knowing that it's less than great. And there's things that need to be worked on. I've read, okay, here's the big one. If you haven't been nailed so far, which I can't imagine that nobody would be nailed on one of those. How about this? I have read and understand the above agreement. Other things, there's apps you sign up for. If you've bought a house, if you've, paid, if you've signed the mortgage papers and you've got this pile this high on the desk and you go through and you sign everything, yes, I've read, I've understood it. You're a big, fat liar. Okay, how many of you actually really, truly, I believe there's some OCD people, not ACD, some OCD people 
here who, who maybe truly you're so detailed that you actually read through every line of your mortgage agreement. Anybody raise your hand on that one? Anybody? Oh, we got one. Okay. All right. Well, well done. Hallelujah. I'm going to bring all my paperwork to you from now on. <laughs> I've read and understand the agreement. Foolish vows that we make to God. Vow, I remember the first foolish vow that I made to God. I went to, uh, I can't think of the name of the amusement park. It was up in Virginia, just over the border into Virginia. And I was probably not even there anymore. I think it was called Lakewood Amusement Park. Anyway, I got on this big roller coaster the first time I was a teenager. And I was scared out of my wits. And I promised God that if, if he got me off that roller coaster, that I would never, ever get on one again. But I lied. <laughs> I did. I got on another one. You know, foolish vows, foolish things that we've said to God, foolish lies that we've told. How about signing the church covenant? The things that we said when we joined the church, that we said that we were going to keep and promise to look after. Lies, okay, now th- th- we get to the media now. Lies about getting into college and entrance exam tests, right? This is all over the news. If, you haven't, if you've been in a cave somewhere and haven't heard it, all these people, good people in general that are real respectable people that have lied or paid people to cheat on the exams for their children and get them into college, university. And then uh, Jesse Smollett, uh, the Empire actor. I've never seen the show in my life, but I know he, he lied about a race, uh, a race hate crime. And now it looks like he, uh, he's in big, big trouble. Here's, here's another one. Parents lie to their children all the time, and it grieves my heart. You know, your little toddler, your grandchild, or your child comes up. Can I have another cookie? Oh, cookies are all gone. You big fat liar. <laughs> they can see them up there. You know, you te- because we, we don't want to engage in stress. And so we lie uh, to avoid conflict sometimes. Even in marriage, we lie to avoid conflict. Well, in last week's passage in Luke chapter 4, the end of that passage... We read about a guy named Barnabas who was nicknamed that by the apostles. And uh, that means son of encouragement. He was an encouraging dude. He was a guy that really loved God. And he, there was needs in the community. And many times already in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we find when there was needs, the people who had land or excess land or whatever, they sold it. And they brought it. It wasn't a communism. It was, a, a, it was just a, a willing heart that loved people. And Barnabas had a piece of land and he brought it. And he brought all the proceeds to the apostles. And uh, just before that, it said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this was a God-sent burden on his heart to give to a need there. Well, this week, we come up to somebody else who does something similar, but for all the wrong reasons. And he lies about it, and his wife lies about it. And this passage in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, begins with an important word, but. Chapter 4 ended with the story of Barnabas who did the right thing for the right reasons and told the truth about it. But now we come to Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5 verse 1. But a man named Ananias and his wife, with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. One with his wife's, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. There was this real trust of the leaders of the day. In verse 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? We've been reading about people who were filled with, controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now we read about somebody who Satan had filled their heart. 
And Satan had inspired something uh, for them to do. Why has Satan filled your heart uh, to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Verse 4. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? So this was not a forced communistic thing. He said, the land was yours. It was in your name. It was deeded to you. You owned it. Nobody said you had to do this. And then after you sold the land, the proceeds of that sale were yours. But now he apparently had promised to God and promised to the people to give the full amount of that land to God. Okay, so it wasn't that he had, that the land belonged to the church or to socialist group. It belonged to the man. It was deeded to him when he sold it. The money was his. But now he had made a promise to God and made a promise to the church and promised that he was going to give the full amount. And here's the problem in our, ta- in our text. Why is it, the last part of verse 4, that you have contrived this deed in your heart? This is conspiracy. You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. In case that's not clear to you, he dropped stone cold dead right before the apostles' eyes. And great fear fell upon all who heard it. Verse 6, the young man rose and wrapped himself, the young men rose and wrapped him, the dead body, Ananias, and carried him out and buried him. Verse 7, and after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in. I want to pause here because this is a heavy passage. We might need a little attempt at humor here. Where was his wife for three hours? In the mall, spending the money that they had stolen. Could have been the husband, too. I realize only not just wives shop. But in this case, I don't know. Just kidding. Where was she for three hours? So three hours later, she doesn't know about the death. She doesn't know that they've been found out. She doesn't know that they've been called out for conspiracy. Three hours later, she comes in. Okay? So after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, and knowing what had happened, and and not knowing what had happened, verse 8, and Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. In other words, was this amount that your husband told us what you gave, is that accurate? And she said, "Who? Uh, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed or colluded? How is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? So he lied to the Holy Spirit. Referred to him as God in verse 5. The Holy Spirit is God. And they agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He can be grieved. He can be lied to. And that's who they lied to. Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came, and they found her dead, and they carried her out, And buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church. And upon all those who heard these things. Would you pray with me? Our God this morning we pray that we would see how seriously you take the truth. How seriously you take lying. And Lord how seriously you take hypocrisy. When we try to present an image that is inaccurate and that our reputation is more important than our character and we believe that lie 
Lord, help us to see the power of integrity this morning, the power of the truth, the power of Christ, our risen Savior, to give us life and life abundantly and truth, the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You might want to write this verse down. It's not going to be on the screen, but 1 Peter 4, 17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And that's the character example that is given of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, I wonder, based upon the lies that we talked about that we've told in our lifetime, if God did this every time, how many of us would be here today? <laughs> right? All right, so this isn't something that God did every time. Just like uh, when God was given the Ten Commandments, another transitional time, and, and the, the lightning bolts were on the top of the mountain, and God said that if anybody walks up on the top and interferes with what God's saying to Moses, that they would be struck dead, and the animals would be struck dead. So uh, unusual measures, uh, dramatic measures, extreme measures for extreme times. And God's setting up a precedent here saying it's important to tell the truth. It's important to be a person of integrity. And so it's important not to be a hypocrite. It's time for judgment to begin at the house of God. And in 1 John 5, 16, you want to write that verse down for further reference. It's, it talks about a sin that leads to death. Here was an example of that. Obviously, lying does not always lead to immediate physical death. But sins in our lives do lead to some type of death every time. Now, if you look at the last verse that we read, verse 11, great fear came upon the whole church, and rightly so. What if this morning God had struck one of us dead who had been guilty of lying? It would definitely get your attention. It says, great fear came upon the whole church and upon all those who heard these things. Now, this is the first time in Acts that the word church is used. This is a brand new thing. It wasn't in the Old Testament. The nation of Israel were God's chosen people, a nation for, with a king and kingdom and land and houses and promises that were made to them. The church is made up of people of all ethnicities from all around the world and all nations of the world who believe in Jesus Christ. So the church is a new thing here. The, the word church, ecclesia, means called out. Do you realize if you are a Christian, if you've received Jesus Christ, that means he's called you out from the world of sin. You're still in the world, but you're not of the world. And that he's called you unto himself. You belong to him. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price, and we're to glorify God in everything that we do. That's what the church is, a called-out group of believers. The first thing I want you to remember this morning from this passage is this. Sin leads to death. Would you write that down? Sin leads to death. Always. Every time. Now you said, I thought you, I thought you just said the opposite of that. Well, it doesn't always lead to physical death immediately. It leads to the death of something. When you lie for the first time to your children or to your mate or to your friends, trust dies. That Open honesty that you used to share all of a sudden has died. Any time that we sin, any sin, some, some, something in our life dies. The wages of sin is what? Death. That's Romans 3.23. 
Now, physical death comes in three different forms. Physical death is when the, the spirit leaves the body and goes to heaven or to hell. That's physical death. Spiritual death is being separated from a holy God because of your sin. And every person without Jesus Christ is spiritually dead and they need a new birth. Like Jesus told John in John chapter 3. You must be born again. That's spiritual death. So physical death, separation of the spirit from the body. Spiritual death, separation of the spirit from God. And eternal death is separation of the spirit from God forever, forever, in eternity When you go into eternity and you're still spiritually dead, you haven't been born again, you remain spiritually, not physically, but you remain spiritually dead for eternity in a place called hell. Nobody wants to go there. God doesn't want anybody to go there. He wants you to be in heaven. So sin always leads to some sort of death, a spiritual death, an emotional death, a physical death. It leads to the death of relationships. Sin is always, always costly. So in this passage... We have a miracle. We believe that God still does signs and wonders and miracles in his time. He's not, you, can't, you, you don't force the hand of God. He's not a genie that you rub the lamp and you command him to do what he does. He's God. Here in this passage, a miracle, a penalty miracle, if you will, takes place. To get the attention of the early church, this new baby church that says it is very important that you live and speak and model the truth. This was a miracle of divine judgment. It was a sin leading to death. Sin always leads to the death of something. Now look at John chapter 8 verse 44. Keep your finger in Acts chapter 5. But in John chapter 8 verse 44 we read these words. You are of your father, the devil, Jesus says, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Where do lies come from? The devil, the author of evil, the angel that was in heaven that defected and tried to and believed a lie that he could take over and become God. And God kicked him and one third of the host of heaven, multitudes of angels out, and they became demons who oppress and stress and send pain and temptation and sorrow and sin into the world and introduced it in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says the father of lies is Satan. Whenever you lie, whenever you believe a lie, whenever you propose a lie, whenever you live a lie, you're following Satan. Remember that next time you think about lying to your children or lying to someone. It will lead to some form of death. What lies ahead? It depends on what lies behind. What lies behind you? You've been believing. What lies underneath those lies? There's a story in Joshua chapter 7. If you read, I'm reading through the Old Testament. A fascinating book. Jesus and the apostles quoted from the Old Testament, so they affirmed it, and they said it was God's word. And uh, I'm reading a book now. If you have trouble with some of the things that you see in the Old Testament that uh, one recent writer had wrote that, that God is a terrible, vindictive God who, in the Old Testament, that he's, and a lot of people have had trouble accepting the Old Testament. Uh, there's a book that I can tell you about, uh, and the title's just gone, oh, is, is God a can't think of the full title. It just went out of my head. What is it, Joe? 
Yeah, is God a moral monster? It's a response to a book by Sam Harris that proposes that the God of Old Testament is very different from the God of the New Testament. He's like psychotic. There's a great book that talks about the Old Testament and the culture that they find themselves in, that God doesn't approve all these things, but all these things happen. And if you have trouble believing and accepting the Old Testament, read that book. Is God a Moral Monster? It's a great book. Anyway, Jesus and the apostles affirmed the Old Testament. And Jesus says that uh, like the devil, when you tell a lie, you're perpetuating evil. John chapter 8, verse 44 says, The father of lies is the devil. He's a murderer from the beginning. Uh, There's no truth in him. When he speaks, he lies out of character. And there's an Old Testament story in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, about a guy named Achan. Remember the children of Israel had conquered their first uh, post in the new land that was supposed to become theirs. And uh, this battle of Jericho, where they just marched around the walls and God caused the walls to collapse after seven days. And um, right after that, they got cocky. And they went out to another battle without praying about it, without seeking God's will about it, but also not knowing that there was sin in the camp. It was a man named Achan. A-C-H-A-N. Achan. And Achan, he had taken some of the bounty, some of the booty from the battle, some of the stuff that was supposed to be dedicated to the Lord, and he took it for himself, like in our story this morning about Ananias and Sapphira who were lying and deceiving and colluding together. He did that, and he buried under his tent, he buried under his tent some of these items that God had forbidden. And so when the guys went out to Ai to battle, not having prayed, not having forsaken sin, not having gotten it right with God, they go out to the battle, and and. I think it's 31 men died in that battle because there was sin in the camp. Whenever you sin, something dies. Whenever you sin, it affects the body of Christ. It affects the church. Whenever you tell a lie, the same things happen. Like Achan in Joshua chapter 7, Ananias and Sapphira were hiding something. They were covering up something. They were deceiving. They were pretending Another way to say it is they were hypocrites. They were hypocrites. To be a hypocrite is to wear a mask. The comedy, tragedy mask. If you turn it one way, it smiles and represents comedy. You turn it the other way, it's a frown and represents tragedy. A hypocrite is a person who's one way in church and another way with his friends at work and another way with his family at home. His life is skewed. It's messed. It's turned upside down. It's hypocritical. It's a farce. It's a joke. Nowhere in the Bible does God ever condone, but only condemns hypocrisy. He only condemns it. When we believe lies and we purport lies and we cover up and we deceive and we lie, we are hypocrites. And they lie to the Holy Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, and he They lied to the Spirit. Whenever you lie, you lie not only to people, but you lie to the Spirit of God in those people who know Christ. So sin leads to death. Secondly, lies lead to death. So a particular sin is lying. Sin always leads to death. Now, lies lead to death of trust. Lies lead to the death of trust and to the birth of hypocrisy. Lies lead to the death of trust and to the birth of hypocrisy. Listen, trust is the main currency of effective leaders and Christians. 
Trust is the main currency in a marriage. Trust is the main currency in a relationship with your children. Trust is the main currency of a nation. If you do the things that you say you're going to do, or if you don't, you either have a nation that people trust and other nations trust, or that they don't. Lies lead to the death of trust and to the birth of hypocrisy. Do you remember the story of the emperor's new clothes? How many of you read it? Read the story of the emperor's new clothes. Okay, so this group of guys, they're going to weave together clothes for the emperor. They tell, they tell him that these clothes are beautiful and that they're lavish, but in fact, they hadn't made any clothes at all. He was absolutely butt naked. But they told him that it was beautiful and that only the people who weren't smart enough and the people who weren't skilled enough and the people who were, they called them in the day, stupid. People who believed, who people who didn't believe, they didn't see the clothes. So everybody in the culture was afraid to call it what it was and say, you got no clothes on, man. But they all pretended to see it. Oh, they're beautiful. And the emperor walked by and they bowed. Your clothes are beautiful. And to the weavers, great job, guys, great job. This is a wonderful thing. And finally, one child saw the hypocrisy of the whole thing. And the child cried out in childlike innocence. But he don't have on anything at all. As a nation, we are kind of divided right now. There's a lot of people who are not seeing reality and not believing the Bible anymore, the things that the Bible tells us and the morality of the Bible and the value of telling the truth all the time. And, 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 and half of the people, maybe more, are like, oh, this is a beautiful thing. And when people espouse to lifestyles that are completely averse to the Bible, and we love all people. We're not on a hate mission to anybody. But the Bible says this is right and this is wrong, and we have to reach people where they are. And wherever you are, we want to reach you. But we're not going to compromise what the Bible says. We will not be silent. We will love on you. We'll come alongside of you. We'll put our arms around you. We'll cry with you. We'll weep with you. We'll pray with you. We'll be burdened for you. We'll hurt with you. We'll struggle through with you. But we're going to tell you the truth. In our nation and our lawmakers now, many of them on the extreme far progressive left are just driving lies. We won't have it. Because lies lead to the death of trust and the birth of hypocrisy. We, we, ha- we were able to have our life group this week. My wife's welcome back. She's back from being sick for a few weeks. Thank God for that. But we had a great life group. And one, our new life group, one of the ladies in our life group said this. She's been through a real kind of um, struggling time like many of us are going through right now in, in, in times and periods in our life. And she, her prayer to God, she said, and she shared with our life group was this, God, help me to know real. Help me to see what's real. That is a great prayer. Can I invite you to pray that daily? Lord, help me to see and to know and to believe what is real because there's so many lies out there today. God, help me to know and to see and to believe what is real because lies lead to the death of trust and the birth of hypocrisy. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes this, and hope, how many of you need hope today? Raise your hand. Hope. 
Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Death is not the end, it's the beginning. When my aunt breathes her last and her spirit departs from her body, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord Jesus Christ. We rest in that hope. We rest in the certainty of resurrection because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's Titus 1-2. And Hebrews 6-18 says this, So that by two unchangeable things, two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Would you say that with me? It is impossible for God to lie. One more time. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope Set before us. Lies are being proposed before us, but the Bible says that God, who, who in his very nature, it makes it impossible for him to lie. He gives us hope when we trust in him. So the solution to the lies around us and the, the guardrails that we can put up against the lies is that we become accountable to people. That we become accountable. Accountability, someone said, is being willing to be accountable for my ability. Accountability is willing to be accountable for my ability. How can we avoid lies and believing lies and buying lies and living lies and telling lies? We become accountable. We become partners with each other in life on life discipleship and life groups. Our life groups this week were just tremendous. The one at Barbara and Carol Van Meter's house and the one at our house. Just the opening of hearts and souls and minds to one another is such a great thing. It's a great countermeasure to lies. When we become vulnerable with each other and we open up about our lives, our lives, and we open up about our lives that we have believed and we share the truth. Life groups, honesty, openness, transparency, these are the countermeasures to lies. Listen, here's a piece of advice I have for you as your pastor. Slow down. Some of you need to slow down. I heard a quote a while ago, and it never left me. And it says this, often activity is the anesthetic for a guilty conscience. Now, not always, okay. But often activity is the anesthetic for a guilty conscience. In other, in other words, I don't want to have to be still and, and know that I am God, which Psalm 46 1 says, I don't have to be quiet before God and let him show me the lies that I've been believing and show me who I am and really be accountable. I don't want to be slowed down and have to meet with somebody and go face to face with somebody and open up my life to somebody. I don't want to take the time to do that because I'm afraid of what I might see. Activity is often the anesthetic for a guilty conscience, but inactivity is also often the anesthetic for a guilty conscience. Inactivity, in other words, doing nothing because I'm so paralyzed by the fear of what might happen, I won't do nothing. I might make a mistake. I might mess up. I might do it wrong. I might not share Christ effectively. And inactivity is often the anesthetic for a guilty conscience as well. The cure is to open up our lives and ourselves to be accountable. Where there is that unity of trust, that oneness of heart and mind, the church flourishes in the power of the Spirit. Where there is duplicity and distrust, its witness fails. Where there is doubt and distrust among God's people, the witness of the church ceases to be effective. 
So sin leads to death. And one sin, lying, leads to the death of trust and the birth of hypocrisy. And thirdly, truth leads to life, hope, and integrity. First Titus, uh, Titus 1, 2 says, In hope of eternal life, and God never lies. Hebrews 6, 18 says, Two unchangeable things. It's impossible for God to lie. That We can have strong encouragement in him. Truth leads to life, hope, and integrity. Transparency is a key to overcoming lying. Because what remains in the dark, listen, what remains in the dark binds us and paralyzes us. What remains unconfessed and remains in the dark binds us. In the USA, we kind of have bought into isolationism, cocooning ourselves, anonymity. What lies ahead? Well, it depends on what's lying behind and what lies underneath. Let's move on to the last part of our passage in verse 12. Very big transition now. So we got this, this couple that lied to, deceived, were hypocrites, and God struck them dead as a warning to the church of the importance of listening to God and telling the truth and speaking the truth and being of integrity. Now verse 12, the work goes on in spite of judgment. Look at verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. Another word of saying porch or colonnade with all these columns. I'll show you the picture of them now. Verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord multitudes. Isn't this great? We had 3,000, 5,000. Now we got multitudes of both men and women, so they, e they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits. And look, and they were all healed. Isn't that something? They were all healed. And I'll show you a couple of pictures. Where were these guys hanging out? Okay, Solomon's portico, another way to say it is a colonnade. Around the building, sort of like some of our buildings in Washington, D.C., were all of these columns. They emptied out into a big uh, uh, patio area where many people were gathered. That's where we think maybe Peter's first sermon was preached. Now they're talking to these people, and uh, Ananias and Sapphira were confronted there. And let's go to the next picture. And so out from this temple area and into the colonnade where all these people were gathered, thousands upon thousands of people were hearing about Jesus Christ, and they were getting saved. God was purifying the church. He was disciplining sin, and sin is always a hindrance to the church. What lies ahead for the church? Well, sin leads to death. Lies lead to the death of trust and the birth of hypocrisy. Truth leads to life, hope, and integrity. And lastly, rejecting truth. This is critical, folks. Listen. Rejecting truth brings fear. Rejecting truth brings fear. Receiving truth brings wholeness. So we read in that passage, a lot of the people got really afraid. They were afraid of the judgment of God. There's nothing better in life than knowing that you and your soul are good before God and you're open before him and transparent before him and you've judged sin in your life and you've asked God to judge it. There's nothing better than having a conscience like that. Re rejecting the truth brings fear, but receiving the truth brings wholeness. Some of the people that heard the word, they 
became fearful. And we have that in our nation today, a great divide in our nation of people that are fearful of the truth. Fearful of the truth about abortion. Fearful of the truth about sexuality. Fearful of the truth about the one way of God. And when we reject the truth, fear comes automatically. But the Bible says for God's people, God has not given us a spirit of what? Fear. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. Receiving the truth brings wholeness. So now we have multitudes of people becoming whole in Jesus Christ. The spirit was the power behind the church's unity. And the unity was the power behind its witness. The same spirit that gave the community its growth also maintained its purity. Jesus said, I gave my life for the church that I might sanctify her and purify her of people unto myself. God calls his church to be a truth-telling, pure vessel of honor to him. As a next step today, would you write this down? Now, here's where the rubber meets the road every week when we say, God, what do you have me to do with this message? And here's the prayer for you. God, please expose lies. Maybe you've believed lies about your sexuality, your identity. Maybe you've believed lies about your relationship that you're in that you know God is somehow displeased with. Somehow God has spoken to your spirit and you've believed lies and you've allowed them in to dominate your lives. So here's your life. Here's the first part of your prayer. God, please expose lies. Reveal truth. That's how lies are exposed. But the truth of God revealed. That's why we preach the Bible here. Because the truth of God's word sets us free. Amen? It sets us free from lies and hypocrisy and danger. God, please expose lies, reveal truth, and restore wholeness. The church, when it is the church and operates as the church, is a holy community. It's the temple of the Holy Ghost, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Disunity, duplicity, and hypocrisy always belie the spirit and hinder its work. What lies ahead? What lies ahead? What lies behind? What lies have you been buying and believing? What lies underneath that? That's the devil who comes to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy. Destroy. He has three purposes for you and your children and your grandchildren and your family and your marriage and your finances. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's a liar. He's a father of lies. And we've got to stop believing the lies and get into the truth and believe what God says. The question that our life group member said this week, the prayer that she prayed was this, God, show me real. Maybe you're not a believer yet. The Bible says that all of God's promises are yes and amen. We're going to sing that in just a minute. God's promises are yes and amen. God keeps his word. He's true. He's truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. All of his promises are yes and amen. And all that the devil has to offer us is lies and hypocrisy and fear and anger and angst and hatred. Jesus is better. Jesus is best. Some of you have been believing lies about yourself for a long time that there's nothing God can do to save you because of the things that you've done in your life. He can, and he will. 
that there's nothing, there's no way that God can use you in your community. And you believe that lie. God can use you. That there's no way that your marriage can be healed and whole again. God can do it. That there's no way that your finances can be healed. God can do it. Would you stop believing lies? Let's start believing the truth. I will stand on the truth. Will you stand with me? Would you stand with me now? Our God, we stand today on Jesus Christ, the solid rock, the truth. There is no other way. There's no other truth. There's no other life. All of the truth is your truth, God. And Lord, many people in this room and many hearing this message online have believed lies. Lord, we've all believed some lies of the wicked one. Lord, show us real today. I pray that every person hearing this message would go away. And this week, many times that I would pray and we would pray, Lord, show me real. Reveal yourself to me. Be real in my life. Show me truth. And if you're here without Christ as your Savior, now's a great time to call out to Him. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's the faith of your heart. But in your heart, would you say something like this? Dear God, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that He died for me and was buried in a grave and rose again. That's the truth. He is the way the truth, and the life. And God, I cry out to you today for truth. I cry out to you today for Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and make me a new person. Bring me out of the darkness into the light. And if you'll tell him that, he will do it. Lord, help us to do today what we'll be glad we've done when we stand before you in eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.